<coughs> Coronavirus. That's impossible. Dream big, this boy gonna make it. Step tall is higher road you take it. Let go of everything that you know and be wild in the mystery. Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore, and on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther. Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode 32 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick. And I am your other uninfected coronavirus host, Rick. Yes, as of the timing of this recording, neither of us have come down with COVID-19. Um, we, they have made, they have started, so this week they uh, started us working from home, mm-hmm. which has been a whole nother experience for me because I've also been uh, taking care of a toddler uh, because he wasn't able to go to school because he had a slight fever and they have new fever rules, and so, I mean, he, he's not sick, he's just, you know, he had a little fever, it was like 99.7, and they're like, nope, you can't come in here, you've got the coronas, don't come in here, so, but anyway, so that's, you know, my week's been a little different, just because I'm working from home, um, but, they say working from home is awesome, but, I never did well with it, because I always got distracted, so, the way I'm doing it, and we kind of talked about this already before, but that was before we started recording. Um, I'm kind of like, no, maybe that wasn't us. Maybe that was me and my wife. <laughs> Who knows at this point? It all meshes together. <laughs> um, so, I'm basically just checking my work email like once every 30 minutes. And if work comes through, I do it. And if it doesn't, I just go back to go back to watching TV. Go back to what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned the carpet yesterday. Nice. Um, but so, yeah. Basically, I'm just hanging out with my son, and we're, we're just chilling. So That's nice. I still have to go to work, so they haven't, they haven't quarantined us yet. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it is, especially knowing that I have, the, like, I have the capabilities to work from home. Like, it's possible for me to actually do all of my work at home. Then why but I still have to go in the Why office? do you have to go to the office? If if you can do a hundred percent of your work from from that chair right there that I'm watching you record this thing from <laughs> in the comfort of your own home. Because our boss likes us to come into work. You well, know, I I get that, so Yeah, so do I. So just because you can do it doesn't mean it needs to be done sometimes, but if we do need to, then I can't do it. We could apply that same logic to this podcast. Just saying. <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean it needs to be. Don't take my logic too far. That's not how You're this right. works. That's my bad. <laughs> You're not allowed to use my own logic against me. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, 
I can tell this is going to be a derailed episode already. It probably is. It probably is. So, because of the coronavirus, speaking of, um, we have had issues getting beer. So, we don't have the same beer tonight because of, we're going to blame, whether it was or wasn't the coronavirus, that's what we're going to blame it on because that's the only thing to blame stuff on right now anyway. Yeah, sure. Everything is the coronavirus's fault. <laughs> you owe on your taxes, blame coronavirus. <laughs> I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the like injury lawyer guys to make new commercials. Yes. Did you get laid off from work? Coronavirus. <laughs> blame COVID nineteen. Hashtag blame COVID nineteen. Since everybody knows we're in the South, if you're from the South, then you know who Alexander Shinar is. He's, he's everywhere. Gonna have, he's, he's on gonna every have billboards <laughs> from. I think he's on every billboard from like Tampa to Nashville. I I really do believe that. That's probably true. Or he's got billboards from Tampa to Nashville. Maybe not every I've definitely one. seen him in multiple states that I have traveled to. Same. Like more than two, more than three, more than four. <laughs> I've seen him in at least three. Yes. And it always so, blows my mind when, when I get to when I get to you know, a state that he shouldn't be in and I'm like I've seen him in Florida and also Tennessee. That makes no sense. <laughs> Are you a robot? Is is kind of what I want to ask. So Alexander Shinara is everywhere. Yeah. So anyway, so what do you have for tonight, there? So I've got um from the Oconee Brewing Company in where are they at? Oh, in uh, Greensboro, Georgia. Greensboro, Georgia. Um, I've got the Mean Machine Red Ale. Um, I have no idea what a red ale is. If you know. Shoot us a message. Tell us. Um, I, I'm about to find out what it tastes like, but I don't know what it means. Um, the website says uh, OconeyBrewing.com, or actually OconeyBrewingCo.com, um, says that it's got an ABV of 6.5%, which matches what the can says, and it's got a 21 IBUs, and it describes the red ale mean machine as a well-balanced red ale brewed with Irish ale yeast, malty and smooth. Um, the can's got a pretty good. The can's can's got a train on it. It reminds me a little bit, and I don't know if this is on purpose or just because that's where my mind is. It reminds me of the Longest Yard. Nice. The Mean Machine uh, from the Longest Yard, and um, I'm gonna have a hot take here. I think the Adam Sandler Longest Yard is better than the original. <laughs> so. Ooh, ooh. Those are five words. I don't care. I almost <laughs> said the Adam Sandler version is better than the Burt Reynolds version, and then I remember that Burt Reynolds was in both of them. It's true. So that would not be a good um, analogy. So, um, But that's what I've got. What do you have? There's, I have tonight uh, from Southern Prohibition Brewing in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the Susie B. Blonde Ale. And I just pulled up their website and they have on their the front of their website this huge thing for curbside orders. So apparently during coronavirus, they are taking curbside orders. So if you're in Hattiesburg, go get some curbside delivery, whatever, from Southern Prohibition Brewing. <laughs> I wonder how far they'll deliver. I don't know. Probably they got not, pizzas. Probably not so many. Oh, they have, what? Dude, they have like full-blown uh, like, like menus. It's like a restaurant. Yeah, it's so not just... They have, Pizza and beer. Call in your order yeah, like or place sure. an order online, and we will give you an estimate for pickup. Pickup at the back gate. Keyword Corona. 
<laughs> Dude, this is legit with like a call when you get there. We'll come out to the back gate and bring your order to you. <laughs> this is like shady drug deals going on. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that. Maybe I don't want them. Maybe I don't want to go to Hattiesburg to get that. Who knows? But I had the Susie B, Blonde Ale, and uh, this thing looks kind of fun. It's got a car on the front of it. It looks like uh, Susie B has set the car on fire, and it's just flaming up. So Dude, apparently so, Susie B is a woman scorned. So, so <laughs> listeners, I tried so hard to find Susie B um, last week when I was getting stocked up for the quarantine. The quarantine. And uh, I could not find it. I looked in the store that uh, Rick said that it would be in. Because the website that he looked to, went to said that it would be there. And uh, couldn't find it. So You have failed us. Yeah. I don't know if the website failed or if I failed, but that's why we, have, failed. That's why we have different beers tonight for real. Right. Not because of coronavirus, but... but we're going to blame it on blaming it is corona. <laughs> so, um, was it last week we were talking about how I had never had a corona? Uh-huh. I changed Did that. you have one? I changed that over the weekend. Um, was it as bad as I said it was? So, I didn't drink it, uh, pure. Well, my dad suggested putting a lemon wedge in it. Uh-huh. And it made it not terrible. They say you're supposed to put a lime wedge in it, no matter what. We like, didn't have limes. Yeah. Lemon works. He had a green lemon. Is what he had. He had a lemon that had a little bit of green on it. <laughs> so. But it wasn't bad. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go and buy it. But it wasn't terrible. I can't stand it. That's just me, though. Anything, I can't stand any it. beer that you have to add something to to make it tolerable, just mm-hmm. th- you just don't need to yeah. bother with. Yeah. Yes. So, but mine is uh, mine's a Blondale. It's five percent ABV, and all it says on it is unfiltered, flavorable, drinkable, and great for any occasion. Wheat, barley, hops, water, beer, or water and yeast. There you go. It's as simple as that. That's all the information on that one? That's that's all the information on that I, I will say this. There's one directly underneath it on the website that I'm probably going to have to go find because it's called the Mississippi Fire Ant. Okay. And it is an imperial red ale. And oh, not going to lie, that one looks pretty good. <laughs> I've got a red ale, so maybe maybe I'll just it be the same. Yeah, maybe so. But it's so. called Mississippi Fire Ant. I mean, that's awesome. Because if, you, if you're from the South, you know what fire ants are, and you know how bad they hurt. Those things are the worst. Yes, they are. Yes, it's they like, are. So, fire ants and coronavirus. <laughs> Good way to ruin the South. So, here, let's crack these things open and let's, see how they taste. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. So, that reminded me of something while we're pouring these up. The uh, last week, my tiny bomb exploded on me and uh, and got everywhere. Yeah. Well, I still had five left, and I still like the tiny bomb. Like, it tastes wonderful. But I drank a couple of more. Both of the other ones exploded on me, too. Someone dropped that six-pack, dude. I, I must have gotten a bad six-pack, so. So, I don't want to, I don't want to have high hopes but this smells like no crust. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I'm not kidding. I don't know if you can see this, but it's pretty red. Kind of looks like no crust. 
I think No Crust was a little bit darker. No Crust was a little darker. It doesn't have like the dark black floaties, but it's got mm-hmm. some kind of floaties in it. Nice. But it smells, it's got a very sweet smelling, sweet smell to it. This one actually smells a little bit bitter. I think this may be a little bit too bitter for me. But we're going to see. I'm just smelling the can. It smell, um, the smell of this one reminds me of Cotillion. You did not like Cotillion. I did not like Cotillion. I don't think I like Cotillion. But I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I don't want to think Cotillion because then I'm going to not like it, but. I really hope this is... I'm trying not to set myself up to be really disappointed. <laughs> I'm trying to set my, my beer up to not fail, and you're trying to set yours up not to be too great. Yeah. So, <laughs> so well, let's bottom up these things and see how they taste. Yeah, let's go. Here we go. The taste of mine is better than Cotillion. Mine does not taste like a peanut butter jelly sandwich, but it does taste very good. Blonde ale. That's pretty good. Mine's pretty good. I don't know. I can't I can't describe what mine tastes like. Still trying to figure it out? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about mine. Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. So, so mine's, mine's pretty normal. Um, like, it's a... I would almost put this in the, in like... Similar, if I'm going popular beer, like I would call this in the Blue Moon category. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that Belgian wheat style. That's almost kind of what it tastes, mm-hmm. what it uh, tastes like. The smell is not as, the smell kind of led me off. It's better than it smells. Um, it kind of, it kind of had that dirty sock smell mm-hmm. a little bit. It wasn't bad like the, uh, like the Cotillion was or the Mighty Banyan. Mighty Banyan is the one that smelled like dirty socks to me. Um, but the taste is good. The flavor is good. The smoothness is almost where I would want it to be. Is this um, a little, is it, did you say it was a little too bitter? It's, it smelled bitter. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, it's, it's kind of like if, if I had to think of mixing a blue moon and an IPA, a blue moon and an IPA would be what I would call this kind of like in, somewhere in between that. And since I'm not a super huge IPA fan, mm-hmm. that's gonna that's gonna draw it back for me. But the Blue Moon still makes it the Blue Moon taste kind of still makes it pretty good. I mean, if this were hanging around, I would drink it. If uh, if I had to order one, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna come in on a scale of one to five Luthers. I'm gonna come in at three and a half. When you were describing it, I was thinking you're gonna, you're gonna come in at three and a half. <laughs> So, so yeah, it's it's good. It's not great, mm-hmm. but it's better than like it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get water over this. If uh, if my choices are Susie B or water, I'll pick Susie B. Okay, that's you know that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> if my choices you know, are water and Mighty Banyan, I'm gonna pick water. You know, water is free, and you can have water and Susie B, right? I do know that. <laughs> okay, just making sure. <laughs> so, um. All right, so mine. I guess I got to figure out what I'm gonna, how I'm gonna describe it. Um, it's good. It's really good. It's I got it. It's it's sweet, but not too sweet. It's not no crust sweet. It's not sweet baby Jesus sweet. What was the other one that was sweet? Oh, we had the 
the caramel one a couple of weeks ago. Oh, um... Purple, Dirt, was it? Dirty Little Freak is the one I'm Dirty Little Freak, of. yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, it's not as sweet as, as um, any of those. Um, mm-hmm. Maduro was pretty sweet as well, I think. Um, it had that, that one was one that had like caramel and everything. Yeah. It? So, um, I looked up what a red ale is. Um, usually, uh, they use specialty roasted malts that create a unique complexity within the finished beer and give it a sweeter butterscotch or caramelized flavor. Um, this one's definitely got a, I think it's caramelly, um, it's smooth, it's, um, it's pleasantly surprising to me mm-hmm. how good it is. Um, okay. Trying to figure out why they labeled it, a, like, why they named it Mean Machine. Nothing about this is mean at all. <laughs> um, it's, it's a, it's very good. Um, is it like when you call the giant guy tiny? Yeah. <laughs> What do you want, Tiny? A small salad? <laughs> um, but on the scale of one to five Luthers, I'm going to... I think I'm going to give this one four. Four Luthers. Four. Okay. Um, it's pretty good. I'd, I'd drink it again. Um, it's, it's not bitter at all. Like, the 21 IBUs, I think, is probably... Probably a little high, honestly, on 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 the bitterness scale that we've experienced. Um, it's it's got a pretty sweet flavor. It's nice and smooth. Um, I mean, there's nothing overly special about it that makes it like a five or four and a half Luther beer. Uh huh. But it's a it's pretty good. It's a it's a four Luther beer for me. So nice. If you can find it. And get it. Go get it. So <laughs> nice. Well, uh, Southern Prohibition, you coming in at three and a half. I'm I'm not I'm not totally down yet. But this is this is pretty good. Um and Oconee, you're coming in at four. Yeah. I kinda wanna find yours now. Yeah. I, I really like I wanna see if I can find it. Because uh, that has me interested. But uh but yeah. There's a couple of reviews. Uh, sorry, we don't have the same beer tonight, but uh, we're gonna blame it on the Corona, even though it was it was just a, a matter of not being able to find beer. Oh, we can blame it on the Corona. I don't care. Heck yeah, we can. So, but uh, but yeah, there you go. Go find some beers, try them out, give the Susie B a try if you like blondes, if you like that uh that Blue Moon ish, Blue Moon esque type stuff, then you'll you'll probably like Susie B. Yeah, and if, you, um, if you like a sweeter beer, that's uh, pretty easy on the palate. I, I'd I'd go for Mean Machine, the Red Ale from Oconee Brewing. Um, it's good. They're, nice. It's a good one. So, I like it. I like it. Well, now it's time to dive into J.I. Packer's Concise Theology. Welcome back. As we are diving into J.I. Packers, we're going to do something we rarely do and attempt to tackle three subjects in one podcast. Also, something we very rarely do is go out of order of the book. Yes, we're reordering the book. Um, Sorry, J.I. Packers editors did not do a good job on this one. 
um, leaving off where we were last week talking about regeneration, um, it only makes sense to theologically talk about justification next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to skip a couple over. We're going to go to justification. Then we're going to come back to works and, to, and then talk about repentance. Yeah. That, um, because these three will fit together well. Yeah. And when, when I was reading it, it made it didn't make sense to have justification after works and repentance. Yes. Well, in, in the if you like when you're reading the works thing, he's constantly talking about justification. You're like, why didn't you talk about justification first? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so what is justification? That's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> so, um, Packer Packer defines justification as salvation uh, by grace through faith, um, yes. not salvation by works or by merits or by anything that is um, anything of our own doing, but it is by grace through faith. Um, Galatians 3.11 says that clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Um, And really justification was like the eye of the hurricane of the, of the reformation. Yes. Um, It was Martin Luther's rallying cry. Yeah. If, if you know anything about Luther, justification was was his main point that he drove home mm-hmm. again and again and again. And I, I feel like if Luther and Paul had been alive at the same time, they would have been like... <laughs> they would have been besties. They would have been like the strongest partners in ministry. <laughs> they, they, they would have been like... They would have been like senior pastor Paul and executive pastor Luther. <laughs> Or it might have been the other way around. I don't know. Yeah, or they might have been like co-senior pastors. Like that's yes. how like that's that's how uh, similar their to, their theologies and their doctrines were. Yeah, Luther drew a lot from Paul, and and uh, what Luther so what Luther's really famous for is the ninety five theses, which is he nailed the ninety five theses to the the church door mm-hmm. in Wittenberg. Um, what he's not so famous for is actually just a few years after that, um, what's called the Heidelberg Confession. Um, I think it's a, now I'm doubting myself because I wrote a paper on this. And But anyway, um, I'm not worried about the confession. What I'm worried about is what Luther talked about when he talked about this uh, this idea of the theology of the cross, a theology of the cross versus a theology of glory. Um and what Luther said is we find our justification not in this, like, grand repentance and, you know, begging for God to, to justify us and all that. Like, that's it's not that. It's a humbling. You get as far beneath the cross and you hide in the shadow of the cross as much as possible so that when God looks upon us, he sees nothing but the cross. It's kind of the, mm-hmm. the picture that he's going for there. Um, but he, he, he writes these, uh, he writes these other kind of theses and, and there's 62 of them, um, where he's, he's talking about the theologian of the cross does this versus a theologian of glory does this. And, and, uh, and his whole thing is the theologian of the cross basically turns from everything that is self glorifying in, in any shape, form or fashion and points everything about his person, his uh, his life, everything about him directly to the cross. And that is where the justification is found. And that's why 
Luther was so adamant about saying that our justification is in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's not it's not something that we've done, but it's the justification is this judiciary act of God pardoning sinners, and He does it on the merits of Christ, not on the merits of us. Right. And so, you know, we've already talked about the active obedience of Christ and what that means for us. Like it's he lived a life that we couldn't live and he died the death that we deserved. Therefore, his works are what saves us. And so our salvation is in him alone. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's this when you talk about justification, you're really talking about this judiciary type of, of language. And it's mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's, it's to be declared righteous and so that's the that's the gift mm -hmm. that, that the bible talks about it's this gift of righteousness that, that god bestows or god gives to somebody yeah um and then he pronounces them righteous because of the works that christ had done yeah. that makes sense yeah and i mean just kind of to to wrap that up a little bit i guess um this the judiciary act is a permanent state it's not something that like once you're justified you can't you can't lose that justification yeah you can't be um, unjustified yeah and so you know you're permanently your relationship with god is permanently righted the relationship that is uh packer puts it as an estranged relation estranged relationship because of our sin because of our uh, failure um because of our wickedness that relationship with god is broken and apart from christ we cannot be reconciled to God in our relationship with him. Exactly. So, exactly. which so, is why Ephesians 1 is so important. Yeah. You know, which we talked about on effectual calling. That's, I mean, that's kind of that foundational mm -hmm. idea of justification and effectual calling. Yeah. So, if you're justified, you're eternally secure, and that means that God will never, he'll never go back. He'll mm -hmm. never go back on it. And and I heard a, a long time ago, I heard a, uh, somebody put it this way, and it, it kind of made sense. It's not a, it's, of course, every analogy fails at some point, but um, if, you're, if you're familiar with any type of judicial uh, law or anything like that, you're familiar with the term double jeopardy, mm -hmm. um, and, and not the game show, but it, but it basically means that once you have been tried and either acquitted or condemned for a, you know, whatever you're on trial for, once the judgment has been rendered, they can't go back and try to retrial it just to get another type of judgment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so that's that's kind of what I always thought about when I think about you know God when God renders judgment, it's done. Mm -hmm. And so when He renders justification, it's done. Yeah. Now, at the end of time, there's going to be the great final judgment where those who are in Christ will will be declared righteous. Finally, once and for all, you know, glorification, all of that. And then those who are not in Christ will be sent to eternal condemnation. So you'll, you have this one, you know, this future judgment that we're, mm -hmm. that we're going to. But for those of us who are in Christ now, we can rest assured that our justification is, is eternal. And yeah. it's going, we're going to, when we get to that, we have nothing to fear. Yeah. And so, um, we're not justified by anything that we do. We're not justified uh, by ourselves or in our, in ourselves, but we are justified by a faith that is very personal. Yes. And that faith comes from the person and work of Jesus Christ. Dive into that just a little bit, because I kind of like what Packer did did there. Um, sorry. I'm on 
I'll cut the section out. Yeah. One cannot be yeah, justified without I wanted, I wanted to be sure we were in the same spot. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> right and there, yep. Back. Okay, so, um, so we're talking about how you cannot be justified without a personal faith and trusting in Jesus, um, mm-hmm. trusting in the work and the person of Jesus. Um, the way Packer worded it, which is great, he said, um, as we give ourselves to faith in Christ, he gives us his gift of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we receive a divine pardon and acceptance, which we could not have otherwise obtained. Um, there's, like, like we've talked about like over and over, I feel like we've talked about it over and over again on this podcast, there is nothing we can do to merit the grace, the love, the mercy of God, apart from putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And without that faith and trust, like nothing you do can earn your way into heaven there's no like god doesn't have like a set of keys that he can like pass out to people to get into heaven there's no like magic thing that you can do apart from putting your faith and trust in jesus and and, and if you and if you don't do that your pardon for your sin cannot be obtained it's not a it's not a oh maybe it will be like it's no it cannot be obtained exactly and and this is why um Honestly, this right here is why I wanted to to flip these around because this this discussion leads perfectly into the discussion on works, which is what we're about to move into. Mm-hmm. This is the main difference between Protestant and Roman Catholic theology, mm-hmm. um, and this is what Luther was was really going against this this idea of sanctification and justification. So, inside of the Roman Catholic theological system. Um, they basically combine sanctification and justification together, and they say you're continuously sanctified, and then after your sanctification is complete, after all of the things that you do are right, after you've said enough Hail Marys, after you've been to Mass and and taken the Eucharist, and all these things that you have to do, then you're justified. Mm -hmm. And so they put this, this barrier on who can be justified, and basically... They are the dispensers of that justification, and and if if the Roman Catholic Church determines that you're not good enough for justification, then they don't dispense you justification, and that's what Martin Luther was like. No, 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 that's not what Romans is about. That's not what uh, the New Testament teaches, and and over and over again, and that's why he was uh, Luther was so uh, really big on Galatians. R- Luther was really big on Romans. He was really big on Ephesians. Um, he was not really big on James, uh, because James, <clears throat> if you read it on the surface, um, James appears to be saying the opposite of what Paul says. You know, James actually in, in James 2.14, he says, you know, we're not justified by faith, but we're justified by our works. But but you have to understand the concept mm-hmm. or the context of where James is coming from. And and you think of it like this, it's, it's James is standing in the back of Paul. And and Paul is looking at the Greek world and saying you're justified by faith, and and James is looking at this uh, these Christians basically and saying, you know, if you're if you are if you think you're justified by faith, but your faith doesn't produce any works, then you don't have real faith, mm-hmm. and so you're not justified by yeah. that faith. It's, it's you know it's, it's not a work to be justified; it is justified to do work to do work exactly. And so, so it's really guys that are looking at two completely different contexts making this statement, and they would, and they are, they both argue the same thing just from a different perspective. Yeah. And so, when you talk about Roman Catholic theology, 
they say, you know, your sanctification has to basically lead you to your justification, which is which is essentially again what Luther was going at, going against when his with his theology of the cross. Mm-hmm. A theology of glory says, I'm going to do all of these things so that I can be glorified. It's a self-glorifying theology. Mm-hmm. And that was what he accused the Roman Catholic Church of doing in, in, those, um, in those other theses or in those other statements about the theology of the cross and the theology of glory. Mm-hmm. And so, so this gets us into this idea of works. And, and you know, um, we say over and over again that you're not justified by your, or we have said that you're not justified by your works, but you're justified by what you do. Um, let's talk, let's dive into that a little bit. What does that mean? How, how is it that we are justified by our works, but our works don't justify us? So it's like, I'm trying to, trying to think of how best to describe it. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> so I guess we'll just talk about how Packer um, described it. So um, good works are an expression of your faith. It's not yes. necessarily that you are working to obtain faith or to obtain justification or sanctification, but you're doing good works. And I want to emphasize the doing good works thing. Um, but you're doing good works out of an abundance of your faith, out of out of what God has done in your heart and your mind and, um, you know, how he has changed you. Um, there, there should be a change in your life when you trust in Jesus to want to do good things for other people who may or may not be able to do anything for you in return. That that's, that's part of part of the Christian life is getting over yourself enough to be willing to help people, who may never be able to help you back yeah. and being yeah. and being okay with that. So I think that's, especially in our culture here in the United States, that's a really hard thing to, gr- to get a grasp of because we're so focused on the, I do for you. So now you do for me yeah. mentality. Yeah. We've taken the golden rule and made it, you know, instead of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, it's, do unto others as they have done unto you. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's one of these, well, you did me this way, so I'm going to do you this way. And that's fair, you know, and it's, it's really this individualized, uh, society that has, that has made us that way. Um, yeah. And that's what, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's a repetition of things that have happened before. It's the same things that James was talking about. Mm-hmm. James had to tell the people in, in his book that he wrote, Hey, true religion is caring for widows and orphans, mm-hmm. caring for those who can't care for themselves. Yeah, you know, or ca- caring for those who are struggling. Now, do you, what? What I love about James is that he doesn't say he doesn't go. All right, first you have to figure out why they're struggling. If they deserve to be in the faith that they're, you know, in the way that they're struggling, he just says no. If someone is struggling, you take care of them. Yeah, you take care of that first, and and it is it is this objectively oriented response, and that's what that's what James defines faith as. And so, I always think about it like this: you know, we, if you've ever if we're both married, so when you get married, you you wear a ring. Mm-hmm. You know, the ring doesn't make you married. The ring is not what marries you. You know, but it is a symbol 
of your mm-hmm. of your being married and and it and when somebody sees that ring they're going to go oh are you married and uh, and you know I'm going to respond yes i am married i'm married to my wife and i love my wife and this this ring is a symbol that's almost the the way that faith is but that's kind of what uh faith is faith is the actual being married and works are the ring Mm-hmm. You know, you wear that ring, you put that ring on every day or you leave it on and you never take it off. That's, you know, the the works of that ring. It's something that you do so that if people see you and they see what you're doing, they ask you, oh, are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Let me, you know, let me point you back to Christ. Let mm-hmm. me, you know, somebody asked me, yes, I am married. Do you want to see pictures of my wife? You know, and that's, yeah. you know, that's the way it goes. And so, so. That's that's really this kind of the way that this works and faith mm-hmm. relationship go back and forth. Yeah, it's, um, it's a it's an object oriented response. Yes, yeah. Yes. The so, ring doesn't make me married, but it's an object that points to my marriage that lets people know. Mm-hmm. Works don't save you, but there's something that objectively point back to your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that people can go, oh, that person does that because they're a Christian. They're, they and and that's why it's so important for Christians to be mindful of their behavior yeah you know and, and 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 it's not that we're legalistic but it's that the the scripture teaches us to have a worldview that says we're mindful of the way we behave because we are representative of christ yeah so yeah um but talk let's let's take that let's dive in just a little bit further and let's talk about faith being a i think packer called it a whole soul mm-hmm. response yeah is what he called so it. so we talked about how um, you know, your works tied to your faith should impact um, your mind, your heart, your will, your affections. Um, Reformed theology analyzes faith, um, at, and I'm going to butcher these because <laughs> I think it's Latin. It so, is, it is Latin. So, I, if, if, forgive me. Um, so, but Reformed theology analyzes faith as um, Matitia. Matitia. Cool, got that one. Um, <laughs> which is um, knowledge, which is specifically the content of the gospel. So um, the good news of Jesus Christ that He came to live a sinless life and die on a cross and be buried, and, and the, the good news of the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. So notitia plus ascensus, mm-hmm. which is um, which is this agreement that the, the the gospel is true, that all that about Jesus is true. Um, also plus a notitia, plus a census, plus fiducia, mm-hmm. which is a trust in um, this personal dependence on uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, in all three of those, uh, notitia, a census, and fiducia, they're all interconnected. Um, yes. If you don't have fiducia, you can't have faith. And if you don't have notitia and a census, you can't have fiducia. Like, like yeah. they're all... They're all cohesive parts that complete each other, and without one, you cannot have yeah. a full comprehension of the of the others. Yes, yes. It's I mean, it, it is it's complicated, and and that's that's that gets way deep into into a lot of stuff that people are probably like, I don't care, you know. But but it what the reason we talk about all this kind of stuff is to say look this is this is a real thing this is something that we have to think about and so you know i always think about the the differences in in uh the different uses of the word love mm-hmm. you know there's there's 
uh, phileo love, and then there's eros love, and then there's agape love, and 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 it's you know depending on which one you use, it's a different type of love. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is kind of a similar thing where you've got these three different types of faith. You have this knowledge based faith. You know, um, the the thing is, okay, I have. I have faith that this chair that I'm sitting in was going to hold me up when I sat down. That's that's more of a noticia type, mm-hmm. you know. But I didn't have complete and utter dependence on this chair. You know, I didn't, my life source doesn't come from this chair. So I don't have this fiducia and I don't have this ascensus type of, of faith in this chair. I just have a noticia. Mm-hmm. The faith that we're talking about that is in Christ is all three of them put together. Yeah. You know, and, 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 uh, if you if you don't or if you lack in any aspect and and there are people who are like oh i know about jesus and i you know i think he's a really cool guy you don't have that faith mm-hmm. you know you have knowledge you have this this uh, in the first century they would have called him gnostic yeah gnosis you know gnosis is the word for knowledge you have this gnosis type of faith mm-hmm. um it's it's in the head but it hasn't made it to the heart yet exactly or or if you have this you know, yeah, I, I know who Jesus is, and I believe what he taught was true and good um, and right. Well, then you've just added this this kind of fiducia type of faith. So you've got, you've got two out of three, but you don't actually trust him. You know, you don't you don't place your agreement in that. You just think he was a good guy who taught some some good stuff that you mm-hmm. could say I can apply that to my life and make it make it good. Yeah, um, it's not until you get all three of those brought together that we have this effectual grace and or this effectual faith and that's yeah. where we talk you know last week we talked about effectual calling and so um you know from that you have and and packer brought this out you have calvin who who defines faith as a firm and sure knowledge of the divine favor towards us founded on the truth of a free promise in christ and revealed to our minds and sealed on our hearts by the holy spirit yeah um one of the things that i always go back to when I, when I think about this type of faith, is I always go back to the Shema. Um, Hero Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hero Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You got to, you know, you. it's this whole soul, it's every part of your being has to has to respond in faith. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the only way, the only way that a person can know that, or the only, uh, a person can't know that, um, it's only between that person and God. And so, you know, that's why we go back to when we talked about the elect. We don't know who the elect are. We don't know if these people are, are, are responding in full faith or not. We pray that they are. We pray for their souls that they are. But it's only our job to go and tell. It's only our job to, to say this is the good news, that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Um, and you are justified. You are set apart. You are declared righteous before God. Because, not because of anything that you've done but simply because of the work of Christ. And that's where, that's where you get this, uh, this idea of justification. And, and when you talk about justification being of works, you're talking about it being of legalism. You know, that's, you're, you're just, that's, that's really that Roman Catholic view is, is you're justified by what you do. And, and that is what, that's what Luther really was, was against, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what he stood against for so long. Um, but if our good works don't follow from our profession of faith, then then there's reason for us to say, 
you know, I, man, I don't think your profession of faith was true. I don't think your profession of faith was full. It was not notitia and a census and fiducia. It was not all of these things because you're not producing what Scripture says you should be producing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes, it makes you know it, it surprisingly makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, just rem- like just remember whenever we talk about legalism, legalism is heresy. And something we like to say is, don't be a heretic. So, right. um, <laughs> anyway, just wanted to make sure we, we touched on that before we moved into the next thing. Um, I think we covered that pretty well. Um, yep. So, if we're justified, and we're not justified by works, mm-hmm. what are we justified by? Well, it feels like it's going to be contradictory because there is a, an action that has to take place. Um, mm-hmm. But that action is repentance. Um, yes. And, and that, is, that is that a person who believes in Jesus, so a Christian, has a radical change in their life. Um, and we, we talk about how in the New Testament, um, this repentance means that someone's mind has changed so much that their views, their values, their goals, um, and, and the way that they live their life, all that changes, mm-hmm. and their life before Jesus and their life after Jesus look like two completely different lives. I think about it, uh, kind of, you know, it's kind of a similar, this might be the best analogy I've ever come up with. <laughs> Stay with me. It's going to be a good one. Well, maybe not. So, but think about Kobe Bryant, okay? Mm-hmm. He wore two numbers... When he was yep. in the NBA, he went each each number by itself was a Hall of Fame worthy career. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I mean, why do you change? I don't know. Who, who knows? Um, that may not be a great analogy now. That I think about it, but <laughs> I mean, there's like a distinct like he turns the page on one half of his career puts a different number on his uniform and plays another half of his career. Yeah, and and, ha- and has arguably, you know, very similar, uh, two different careers on one number. I don't yeah. know if that's a great analogy, <laughs> listeners who are basketball people. I'm sorry, I really, I'm really trying. I'm not a basketball person, but I love what Kobe Bryant did, and uh, when the I, I am not upset that the Final Four and the NBA Finals have been canceled. It did not affect me at all. <laughs> You're going to ruffle some feathers with that one. I so, probably am. Anyway, so, so we talk about repentance. Back to the train tracks that we're trying to stay on. Um, we're trying. We really are trying. We've been going at it for a while. So um, so we talk about repentance. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically, you know, preachers say it's a it's a 180 degree turn from the way you're living your life. Um, to And then you're seeking Jesus. You're seeking God in, in, in all of your decisions and, and how you live your life. Um, I did hear a preacher say one time it's a 360. That's not true. No, um, it can't be a 360 because you're going the same way. <laughs> not, but, but this radical change um, of repentance has to be an inward change and an outward change. Um, yes. It has to be your mind and your judgment, your will and affections, behavior and lifestyle, um, mm-hmm. your motives and purposes. Like when you repent of your sin and turn to Jesus, everything about your life should change. Yes. Uh, your goals and dreams, uh, how you, how you treat people, how you interact with people, how you treat your family. Um, all of that should change. And if it doesn't, then I would question 
whether or not you had a true encounter yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, people will notice a difference. And, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, you went to bed and you were this, you know, drunken sailor cussing person. And then you woke up and you're like, I believe that I'm going to memorize all of the Bible today. You know, that, that is not what repentance is. But right. repentance is an active engaging of the mind to mm-hmm. say, no, that's not who I am anymore because I am in Christ now. Yeah, Re- Repentance is really a reliance on the work of Christ. It's an active reliance on the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, so... But it, but it's not but it's not a work. It's not something that we have done. You know, Jesus told us to take up our cross daily and follow Him. Mm-hmm. So so it's a repentance is really a self denial of who you are made, who you are as a sinner. Not only say made as because you're made in the image of God, mm-hmm. but but who you are, who your nature is. It's a it's a humble denial of your nature that you mm-hmm. have. Yeah, the, and and good catch. selfishly turning to Christ. Good catch. I just wanted to tell you that. I was like, hold on, don't say that yet. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, tur- you turn your back on what your nature wants you to, or what you want to do in your flesh and your nature. Yes. And trusting in the person and work of Jesus and saying, I'm choosing to live for you. I'm choosing to, every interaction I have as, as if I'm interacting with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, in my business, as if I'm working for Jesus, as if he's over my shoulder watching me with every single, do every single thing. Um, and the, and the call to repent was foundational in all, pretty much all the preaching in the New Testament. Yeah. You think about yeah. it. From, 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 from John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. You started John the Baptist, Jesus, the disciples, Paul, um, Peter, when he yep. was preached at Pentecost. And then even in the book of the Revelation, I mean, Jesus is still revelation. Jesus is still preaching like y'all need to repent. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not saying y'all, but you know. Well, and it should be the call for every church today, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 it's this now. Now listen, what we're not saying is that everything you say should be your your hellfire and brimstone, you know, guy yelling on the street corner type of stuff. That's not what we're talking about, but what we are talking about is in conversations, are you actively listening for people to be able to bring them to a point where they can, you can call them to repentance mm-hmm. because that's what we're, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what's really bad is when you have to call yourself to repentance, Yeah. you know, and you go, man, I messed that up big time. You know, that that was not what I was supposed to do. And, and you feel the conviction of the spirit and you have to repent of that, mm-hmm. you know. And so repentance is not something you just cast on everybody else around you, but it's something that you're practicing in your own life because it's repentance is a fruit of faith. Yeah. Um, and then faith in, in itself is is inseparable from uh, from great. I think how did how did Packer say it? He says. Repentance is the fruit of faith, which itself is a fruit of regeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so when you talk about all of this stemming from regeneration, you have regeneration, and we talked about regeneration preceding faith last week. Well, gen- regeneration leading to faith, faith leading to repentance, yeah. um, and it's it's this continuous circle of faith leading to repentance, 
that that is the process of sanctification because you go man i've got the faith and then you go man i messed that up i gotta repent so you go back to faith and then you go back to repentance and you go back to faith and this is that process of learning and and being sanctified so that one day you can be glorified mm-hmm. and you know when when god decides to call you home and and to to bring you bring you to to him then then you're glorified and so that that repentance is is one of those key aspects of faith that that falls into that and and there can be there can be no saving faith without repentance yeah so but uh but yeah the uh the the one thing that I'll say that I I really liked from Packer on the end of that is if you want an example if you want to see where is repentance in scripture the the first place that I would turn to is Psalm 51 um, this is after David has been confronted by Nathan, and and he says, "Hey, dude, what you did with Bathsheba was wrong, and you need to repent." And so, Psalm fifty-one is just this cry of repentance, and and I think the verse that we that we all know is fifty-one nine and ten: "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me." Um, and so, you know, you say all that to say it doesn't it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are not beyond the rede- the reach and the redemption of God's hand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, and, and, you know, I don't have one of those, uh, you know, I was slinging drugs and, and having sex with women kind of testimonies. I know people that do. And, and we tend to think that people with that kind of testimony have a better, you know, they have a better story to tell or it's mm-hmm. more captivating and, you know. Maybe it is, but it's their story that God gave to them. God gave you a story too. Man, I was a straight-laced, good Christian kid who was hell-bound until God intervened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, by all external view, you would have thought that I was I was a, you know, this great little Christian kid grew up in a Christian home. But I was just as bad as, you know, the guy who was selling drugs and and you know, we're we're no different. And so you have a story to tell them. That's you know that's part of repentance is knowing your story and knowing what God has saved you from. Yeah. If you are a sinner saved by grace, then you have received an amazing amount of grace that you should be showing to to the world around you. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. That's a good word. That's. I mean, I, I feel like that's. It's a, yeah. You've got to know what your story is and know that your story is yours and no one else has your story. Exactly. And if God wanted you to have a different story, then he would have given you a different story. So, mm-hmm. um, just trust that the story you have is the one that God wants you to use to bring him the most glory and, mm-hmm. and roll and run with it and, and be proud of your story. If you're a, if you were saved at six and lived in a Christian life and was close to Jesus your whole life, then great. Good for you. It's awesome. That's awesome. But Glory were, to God. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were a 30-year-old crack addict who found Jesus somehow, like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, also great. Good for you. Like, no yeah. one's story is better or worse than anyone else's story because as we've talked about, if the grace of God saves just one, then that's that's glory to God. That glory to God. So yeah. always think about the story of Robbie Gallaty and David Platt. Like here here's a straight laced seminary student who's challenging a like 
drug dealing mm-hmm. street dog. Yep. Who's like twice his size, too. Who's a sinking <laughs> bouncer and could probably be in the WWE. <laughs> you know, but but that, that just goes to prove that you don't have to have this story of, you know, drugs and alcohol to reach somebody who yeah. is in drugs and alcohol. You just have your story. You tell your story and let God do the work. Yeah. So there you go. There's what we have. And if they want to find us on social media, where would our listeners go and do that? So we are on, we're on the major um, social media platforms. We're on Instagram at beers and mobile underscore. We're on the Twitter at beers and mobile P one. We are on Facebook. Um, just search beers and Bible podcast and look for our, uh, the same logo as you're listening to that you see on the whatever you're listening to our podcast on, whether it's iTunes or Amazon or Spotify or wherever we are. I don't even know where all we are right now. We're um, everywhere. We're everywhere. We're everywhere and also nowhere. Um, <laughs> and then you can also email us at uh, beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Shoot us your suggestions, thoughts, um, questions you have. If you have any um, anything you'd like for us to try on the any beers you'd like for us to try on the podcast, we'd, we'd love to take those suggestions. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, we will eventually finish J.I. Packers, so we might start taking some suggestions on what to discuss next. Um, yes. And uh, I mean, if you have any theology questions or doctrine questions or, or anything that if, you're not sure about, let us know and we'll, we'll work through all that together. We... We're not going to shy away from a challenge and uh, bring it on. Nope. We will research and we will find it. We will find answers or we'll we'll figure out what we, you know, how we want to talk about it. We'll find answers or we'll find people who do not, who do have answers. That's right. Because we know people. Yes. We know some people. But I guess that's, I guess that's it for this episode of the Beers and Bible Podcast. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next week. Peace out. You enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.